Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. On December 26, 1944, Lieutenant Hiro Onoda of the Japanese Imperial Army was sent to the Philippines to fight for Japan in World War II. He was ordered to resist enemy forces and to do everything he could to stay alive and never surrender. At first, Onoda and his fellow soldiers camped in the jungle and would embark on raids to attack the enemy. But one by one, Onoda's fellow soldiers were captured or killed. Eventually, Hiro Onoda was left alone. And in order to survive, he had to go deeper into the jungle to hide. He would come out at night to search for food and then sneak back deep into the jungle before dawn to hide in the hills and caves. In fact, Lieutenant Onoda became so good at hiding that he was able to escape being discovered for many years. But there was only one problem with this fact. Just a few months after Lieutenant Onoda was left alone, the leaders of Japan signed a peace treaty ending the war. All the other soldiers in the Japanese army laid down their weapons and left the battlefields. They all went home and started new lives because the war was finished. But Lieutenant Onodo didn't know that, so he kept hiding in the jungle. Onodo's army commanders attempted to contact him, but all to no avail. They left messages in the jungle proclaiming the end of the war, but Onodo didn't believe them. He thought it was a trick to get him to come out from hiding so the enemy could capture him. The government sent messengers to the jungle to try to meet him, but still he refused to surrender. He refused to believe that the war was finished. So, for 29 years, Lieutenant Onoda hid in the jungle. From 1945 till 1974, Onoda refused to come out of hiding because he didn't believe the war had finished. He could have been free. He could have gone home and started a new life. He could have completed his degree and gotten a good job. He could have married and had a family. But for 29 years, all he did was hide in the jungle. All because he didn't believe the war was finished. Then finally, on March 9, 1974, Onoda's former commanding officer flew from Japan to the Philippines to convince him that the war was finished. And after 29 years, Onodo finally accepted the truth. He accepted that the war was finished and he walked out into a new life. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the amazing true story of Lieutenant Hiru Onoda. When Jesus died on the cross, he declared, it is finished. When he died and rose again, he ended the hostility between God and man. Our debt of sin was ended. Our enemy's power was finished. And every bondage holding man was defeated. And because of Jesus' finished work, we have the opportunity for a new life. When he finished our sin and bondage, he liberated us to begin our journey to follow him. He finished in victory so we could run our race and finish in victory too. But in order to come out of hiding and live a new life, we have to believe and receive Jesus' finished work by faith. We have to understand what his finished work means for us so that we can enter into freedom. That's the message in our sermon today, a sermon entitled, Jesus Finished So I Can Finish. We're going to discover what Jesus' finished work accomplished for our lives. But before we learn more, let us pray.
Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you today that you have given us such a wonderful news, such a wonderful victory, such a wonderful and amazing truth that Jesus Christ has finished his work. He's conquered every enemy and opened a way for us to live a new life and finish in victory as well. Teach us today by the power of your Holy Spirit. We submit to you. We bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit. The power to give us light and life and truth. To run our race and finish in victory. I thank you today for blessing your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take just a minute, join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and say after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's broadcast. It's great to have you join me today as we continue our sermon series titled, It is finished. We began this series on Easter weekend with the powerful truth of how Jesus finished every foe on the cross and at his resurrection. Just before he died on the cross, our Lord cried out, it is finished. And in those three powerful words, we have the promise of our deliverance. For you see, on the cross, Jesus finished our debt of sin. On the cross, Jesus finished our enemy's power when he disarmed Satan. And on the cross, Jesus finished off every other power and every other foe arrayed against us. And now we can live in victory because Christ's victory is our victory. For when the all-powerful Jesus lives in you, then all power is available to you. But in order to make sure Jesus gets what he paid for, his completed work must be completed in us. His work is finished, but we are not finished. We still need to access the fullness of what he's done and won for us. So today, let's discover three things Jesus' finished work accomplished for me so that we can finish in victory like Jesus did. Our scripture text for today is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now receive the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Consider with me for a moment what these verses are telling us. In these two powerful verses, we have the roadmap to follow so that we can finish our race in victory. We see by the example of Jesus what he completed in his work so that his work can be completed in us. And here's the first thing that Jesus' finished work accomplished for me. Jesus finished so I can receive all he has for me. Our scripture text begins in Hebrews 12, 1 with these words, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. So who are these witnesses and what does this mean? Well, these are the men and women of faith who lived before Jesus came to earth. These are the people of faith Paul refers to in Hebrews 11. Just before he begins our scripture text for today, 
Paul is talking about the great heroes of the faith from the Old Testament. And in the last two verses of chapter 11, he says, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received. Everybody say received. Yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. And here's what that means. The great heroes of the faith were mighty men and women of God in times past. Though they lived great lives of faith, they lived before Jesus finished his work. So verse 39 says they did not receive all that God had for them. Jesus had to finish his work in order for them to get all that God wanted to give them. But now that the work of Jesus is finished, we who are alive today can receive everything that God has for us. Because Jesus finished, we can get started on receiving the benefits of his completed work. The fact is Abraham and Moses and David and prophet Elijah looked ahead to our day. They knew that something better was coming. They knew by faith that one day a Messiah would come who would wash away our sins. They knew a Savior was coming who would finish the devil on the cross. They knew that one day even death would bow at the feet of the Son of God. And they knew that all those who came into faith after his work was finished would enjoy blessings that they themselves would not enjoy in their life on earth. That's why I'm here to declare to you today that we are the people who can receive. We are the ones living after Jesus finished his work. And because he finished, we can now receive everything he has for us. So what are some of the things we receive from Jesus because of his finished work? Well, because Jesus finished, we receive abundant life. In John 10, 9 and 10, Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will be able to come in and go out. They will find everything they need. I came to give life, life that is full and good. And through Jesus, we receive abundant life. Through Jesus, we receive liberty. Through Jesus, we receive everything we need. But not only that, because Jesus finished, we receive the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit filled the disciples after Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven. On the day of his ascension, Jesus said to his followers in Luke 24, 49, And now, now that I've finished my work, now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. When Jesus finished his work, it opened the way for the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. He said in John 16, 7, it is better for you that I go away. I say this because when I go away, when I finish my work and go to heaven, I will then send the Holy Spirit to you. And because we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we receive the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. And we can live by God's power because Jesus finished his work. But best of all, because Jesus finished, we receive union with Christ and an inheritance from God. For Ephesians 1.11 declares, Because we are united with Christ, we have received, everybody say received, we have received an inheritance 
inheritance from God. Since Jesus died and rose again, we can be united with him. And when we're united with him, we have everything he has. When you have access, you have whatever you need. When you have access to God, you have access to life. You have access to peace and to joy and to grace and strength and faith and confidence. When you have access to God, you have access to everything he is. And everything Jesus is, is everything you need. Jesus paid for all this and more through his finished work. All these are available to us. And I, for one, want to make sure that Jesus gets what he paid for. I want to make sure he receives the reward of his sacrifice. I want to rise up and receive. The problem for many of us is that we don't receive because we don't live our lives on the reality of Jesus' resurrection. Sadly, many Christians today behave as if Jesus is still in the grave. We claim to believe he's alive, but we behave as if he never rose from the dead. We talk about the resurrection, and we sing about the resurrection, and we celebrate Easter, yet it has no impact on our daily lives. We still fear the devil. We still attribute power to witches and wizards. We live in fear and doubt and unbelief, even though we are victorious in Christ. We deny that Jesus is alive by the way we behave. That's the lesson we can learn from the true story of a man from Romania named Constantine Reliu. In 1992, Constantine left his homeland of Romania to go and work in the nation of Turkey. He returned in 1995, but on his return, he discovered his wife had been unfaithful in their marriage. When attempts to reconcile his marriage failed, Constantine returned to Turkey to settle down and stay for good. But then, a few years ago, Turkish authorities detained Constantine over expired papers, and they deported him back home to Romania. But when Constantine arrived at the airport in Bucharest, Romania, he got the shock of his life. Immigration officials informed him that he had been officially declared dead in 2016. His former wife had gone to court and had told the court that she didn't know where he was and that she assumed he was dead. So she asked the court to declare him dead, and they did. She did this likely so she could marry another man. So according to the official court records, Constantine Reliu was dead. Well, you would think it would be easy for Constantine to prove he wasn't dead. He was standing there in the flesh. In fact, the authorities spent six hours questioning him and testing him. And they came to the obvious scientific conclusion that Constantine Reliu was who he said he was and that he was very much alive and standing in front of them. Yet in spite of the fact that they could see him standing there alive, and in spite of the fact that all factual evidence proved that the living man in front of them was Constantine Reliu, the authorities refused to overturn his death certificate. Constantine says, I'm officially dead even though I'm alive. And even though he's alive, because the government acts as if he's dead, Constantine cannot work. He can't get a driving license. He can't buy land. He can't set up a business. What Constantine could do and should do is limited by the fact that the government views him as dead. 
And that's the problem with many in the church today. Jesus is alive. He's risen from the grave. He's overcome. He said, it is finished. But when we don't view him as we should, we limit what he can do in our lives. This is how many Christians behave. We've heard Jesus is alive. We've seen the evidence. Yet in reality, we act as if he's still in the grave. We don't use our authority in Christ. We don't activate the resurrection power in our lives, in our families, and in our nation. And we fail to receive everything Jesus paid for on the cross. So let me ask you a question today. Does your life testify that Jesus is alive? Can others become convinced that Jesus rose from the dead based on what they see in you? If we, the people of God, don't rise in faith to silence the enemy, then even though Jesus is alive, the world will still view him as dead. If the reality of the resurrection doesn't change our lives, then even though Jesus is alive, the world will view him as dead. If the children of God continue to cower in fear of Satan, if we live our lives as if we're still in bondage, if we constantly give in to temptation and live in sin, then even though Jesus is alive, the world will view him as dead. But I'm here to declare to you today that Jesus is alive. He finished his work and made a way for us to receive his kingdom, his power, and his purpose. And it's time for us to rise up and give evidence to the world that Jesus is alive. For Jesus paid too high of a price for us to practice a weak and ineffective brand of Christianity. Jesus paid too high of a price for us to spend our days chasing things that won't last and that don't matter. Jesus paid too high of a price for us to live defeated, doubt-filled lives. Enough is enough. Satan may have had other generations, but he cannot have this one. Satan may have deceived other nations, but he can't have ours. Satan may have tricked other people into believing a lie, but we will not tolerate his mischief any longer. We serve a resurrected Savior. We serve a living God who's finished his work and achieved everything he came to earth to accomplish. Accomplish. He's died and risen again to redeem us and release us and restore us. And I, for one, will not stop till Jesus gets everything he died for. I will not keep quiet till Jesus gets everything he fought for. I will not sit down and rest till Jesus gets what he deserves. He died and rose again to restore our authority. He died and rose again to raise us up to sit with him in heavenly places. He died and rose again to share his power and his name with us so that we can rule and reign with him. He finished so that I can finish. He finished so that I could receive all he died for. So let us rise in faith and receive by faith the fullness of what he's done and won for us. His completed work must be completed in me. And that brings us to our second truth today. Jesus finished so I can run my race and win. Listen to how our scripture text continues. Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And here's what the word of God is telling us. First, Jesus finished his work on earth so that we could receive the better things God has in store for us. And once we receive what God has for us, it gives us everything we need so we can keep running the race. Because Jesus finished his race in victory, we can finish our race in victory too. 
Now, this truth is critical for all of us because we all have a race to run. Becoming born again and receiving salvation from Christ is just the beginning of our journey. Ultimately, God wants to prepare us for heaven. He wants to prepare us to rule and reign with him in heaven for eternity. So God leaves us on this earth and teaches us to run our race so that we can be prepared for our future in glory. For it's in the running that we prepare for the ruling. A lot of people in the church today want to rule but they don't want to run. A lot of people want to skip the running and get straight to the reward, but it doesn't work like that. That's one of the major problems with the youth today. They want to leave university and become a CEO the next day. Young pastors today want to leave Bible school and instantly become a general overseer. But God's wisdom dictates that before we're given thrones in heaven, we have to finish our race on earth first. It's in running the race with endurance that we are prepared for ruling in eternity. And some of the hassles and headaches and stress that you're passing through right now are God's preparation to get you ready to reign. So don't bypass the trials. Let them produce good fruit in your life. For it's as you run the race of life that God builds something good in you. That's why 1 Peter 2, 5 and 9 says, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Just say, God is building me. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. See, if you believe that Jesus finished your debt of sin, and you believe that he finished your enemy's power, and you believe that he finished every enemy forever, then you will be convinced he's done all of that for a purpose. His resurrection power fills us now so that we can continue to carry out the work of redemption here on earth. Jesus redeemed us for a purpose. That's what the Word of God says in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're created to do good works. Every one of us has this calling. He formed you for a purpose. He planned in advance that you would accomplish his assignment for your life. He's called you and chosen you to be his special possession, to do his special work. And in order for you to do that, you have to run to win. You have to be built up in your faith. That's why Paul admonishes us to run our race with endurance. It requires diligence and discipline to run and win. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 27 says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Tell your neighbor, run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. You have to keep running your race. You have to discipline yourself so you can press on in faith. You have to endure the battles and hardships and overcome by the power of God. For when you keep running, you are surely going to reap. Galatians 6, 9, and 10, God promises, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing 
if we don't give up. So even when things look dark, don't get tired, keep running. Even when things look dry, don't get tired, keep running. Even when things look desperate and when your breakthrough delays, don't get tired, keep running, keep running. For your harvest is at hand. That's the lesson we can learn from a young man from Nigeria named Emmanuel Nwori. Emmanuel is a brilliant young man from Ebony State in Nigeria. He graduated from secondary school at the tender age of 15 due to his intelligence. He was able to skip some of the classes. He aced his Wase and Jam exams and seemed certain to complete his first degree before age 20. But then tragedy struck Emmanuel's family. In 2005, his father was diagnosed with diabetes and hypertension. Emmanuel's father had to leave his job as a teacher and spent all of his life savings on medical bills. Eventually, he died, and there was no money for Emmanuel to further his studies. So Emmanuel set out to work. He got a job as a teacher, and even though the pay was very poor, Emmanuel didn't give up. He worked for five years and was finally able to cobble together enough money to pay for admission to a polytechnic. Then eight years after completing secondary school, this brilliant student gained admission to the University of Nigeria Nsuka, and his hard work paid off. Emmanuel graduated as the top student in the Department of Mathematics and won the gold medal in the Nigerian National Mathematics Competition. But just as Emmanuel was set to take off in life, the COVID pandemic struck. There was nothing else for Emmanuel to do other than go back home to his village and begin farming. Though his potential was great and his dreams were real, Emmanuel was stuck on the farm using a hoe and cutlass. Emmanuel could have given up. He could have lost heart. But Emmanuel kept running his race, and last year, his diligence paid off. Emmanuel was awarded a full scholarship to a university in Texas, USA, to earn his PhD in mathematics. It's been a long journey, and he's faced a lot of setbacks. But through it all, Emmanuel has never given up. He hasn't lost sight of his goals, and he's on his way to greater success because he kept running his race. And that's how it is for all of us in the Christian life. There are trials. There are challenges that will test your patience and try your endurance. But here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. God is testing you today to prepare you for greater works and greater responsibilities tomorrow. Some of you watching and listening now are in a test right now. You don't understand what you're passing through, but God is watching your response. He wants to know if you're faithful. He wants to know if you'll obey him. He wants to see whether you're focused on this life alone or whether you're focused on eternity. So do not give up. Keep running. You may not have the power, but Jesus does. Jesus finished his work, and because he finished, you can finish too. That's why our scripture text from Hebrews 12 reminds us, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He's the author of our faith. Our faith gets started in him, and he's the finisher of our faith. Our faith gets to the end in victory because of him. See, my Jesus never quit. My Jesus never gave up. 
When they tortured him and beat him and tore his flesh, he didn't give up. When they mocked him and stripped him naked, he didn't give up. When he laid down his life on the cross, the Bible says he went to hell for three days to preach to the captive souls there. But he never gave up. He never stopped doing God's work. He never turned back. And because he finished, he rose from the grave. Because he finished, he triumphed over all. And everyone who follows him to finish will also triumph. Everyone who believes in Jesus and finishes with Jesus will experience every triumph. For we have this promise in 2 Timothy 2.12. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. And I'm here to tell you today, run your race with Jesus to the end, and you will rejoice with Jesus at the end. Complete your work on earth like he completed his work on earth, and you will reign with him forever. And that brings us to our third truth today. Jesus finished so I can reign with him. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 12 too. Now, Jesus is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. When Jesus finished in victory, God the Father gave him a throne. God placed him on the throne and he's seated in honor by God the Father forever. And this is the same destiny the Lord has for you. Everyone who finishes in victory like Jesus finished in victory will rule and reign in glory like Jesus rules and reigns in glory. That's the promise Jesus himself gives to us in Revelation 2, 26 to 28. Listen to his words. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I receive from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. And think about this amazing promise. Jesus says, if you follow me all the way to the end of your race, if you finish in victory like I finished in victory, then you will rule nations. You will have the same authority that Jesus has. You will rule and reign with him in glory forever. Friend, you are destined for the throne. You are destined to overcome and reign with Jesus. So do not lose heart. Do not lose sight of the finish line. Do not give up and get discouraged by the things you're suffering. If you'll remain faithful, you'll receive a crown. If you'll follow Jesus to the end, you'll finish in victory and you will reign with Christ. Sadly, many Christians have lost sight of eternity. We become so focused on getting ahead in this life, we act as if the purpose of serving God is to get blessed in this earthly life. Today, many churches have turned the gospel into a way of making money. We have prophets for profit and pastors for hire. We are preaching a centered, self-centered gospel on how we can use God to get rich. We act as if God is our houseboy to come running to serve us in this life. But the kingdom of God is not an earthly kingdom. It impacts earthly life, but it's a kingdom not of this world. And our focus should not be on securing our comfort in this life, but in securing our reward in eternity. For this life is but a vapor. It will soon pass, but eternity never ends. I have never seen a truck filled with furniture following a coffin. I've never seen a container filled with riches and clothing and jewelry falling behind a funeral procession. 
I've never seen a coffin followed by someone carrying even one suitcase of clothing. For in life, you may have had more than you could carry. But in death, you carry nothing into eternity. That's why the space marked out for a gravesite is so small. There's a reason why space in the cemetery is limited. You only need enough space for your body. No house, no furniture, no car, no clothing, no electronics, no computers, no iPhone, nothing but you and your coffin. You may live in a mansion, but your body will end up in a 10 by 10 plot. You may have a wardrobe full of outfits, but you'll only wear one at death. You may sit on Italian leather and sleep on an American mattress, but your body will rest on one inch of local foam in a wooden box when you die. So the question you need to ask yourself is this, where will I end up in eternity? And what will be my condition and my position in eternity? For Jesus made it very clear. He finished so we could finish. He won so we could win. He died and rose again so that when we die, we will rise again with him and rule forever on a throne. And that's why we have to run our race with endurance. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to lay aside every weight and strip off every sin so that we can finish in victory. For Jesus said in Revelation 3.21, those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. And this verse is telling us not to focus on the minor everyday problems of life because you're headed somewhere better. Don't let the little irritations of life overwhelm you because you're headed somewhere better. The world wants to get you stuck in some insignificant quarrel, but you don't have time for that. You're headed for the throne. Sir, you're headed for the throne. So settle that little quarrel with your wife and let it go. If you're going to judge nations, you better learn how to settle with your wife. Ma'am, you're destined for the throne. So stop whining and complaining about your husband and rise above. How are you going to judge angels when you can't even forgive your husband? The devil wants you to focus on how they treated you or what they said to you or how somebody offended you. But you don't have time for that because you're headed for the throne. See, I'm too blessed to mess with petty quarrels. I'm too blessed to worry about what you think of me or what you said to me or what somebody did to me. I don't have time for bitterness. I don't have time for comparing myself to somebody else. I don't have time to promote myself or worry about if I'm getting ahead of somebody else. I don't have time for that because I know where I'm going. I'm going somewhere better. I'm headed for the throne and I declare to you today, you're destined. So don't get sidetracked with the small things. Don't get messed up with the insignificant and the inconsequential. Don't get all anxious and uptight with people who are trying to distract you. If they don't want to go where you're going, leave them. Not everybody's going where you're going. You have to realize you're headed for the throne, but not everybody has that same destiny. That's why there's some things others may do that you may not. This is the problem for many of us. You think nobody else is doing it with excellence. Nobody else is on time. Nobody else is faithful. Nobody else is working hard like I am, but other people may not be going where you're going. You have a great destiny. You're going to rule with Jesus. You're destined for the throne and you can't do what others do because they're not going where you're going. You may be thinking, everybody else in my office has a girlfriend. Everybody else pads his expense account. Everybody else leaves work for personal business, but not everybody else is destined for the throne. 
You're a person of destiny. You're headed to higher heights. You're headed for the throne. That's why it's important to know who you are and where you're going. For when you realize that, you have a destiny in God. You begin to understand that everything happens in life for a reason. God is using all that you're going through to prepare you for what lies ahead. The tests and trials you're passing through today are a training ground for you to learn to rule and reign. And the fact is you have to pass the tests in this life to prepare for the future glory. You have to receive what Jesus purchased for you so you can run your race with endurance so you can reign with him forever. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that Jesus gets what he paid for in my life. I want to make sure he didn't suffer in vain. I want to make sure that the purpose for which he endured the cross and despised the shame is fulfilled in me. For Revelation 5, 9, and 10 tells us that when we get to heaven, we who have overcome will sing a song with that very theme. We'll sing a song to Jesus. Listen to the words. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Jesus finished so I can finish. He died and rose again so I can run and reign. That's what Jesus' finished work does for me and for you. So let his completed work complete you. Let his finished work work in you so you can finish your race in victory. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Avon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. We're here all day.